Artlist.io. Good afternoon and welcome to the Right Fit Podcast. I'm Daryl Jacobs, your host, ESPN Network College Basketball Analyst and Executive Director of Rising Coaches, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Alliance. Join me every Friday here at noon with great guests and decision making from the world of sports, both from collegiate athletics and professional sports. But joining me today is the Director of Athletics at Georgia State University, Mr. Charlie Cobb. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hey, Daryl, I appreciate you having me on. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. Thank you for taking the time. Before we get started with the Q&A, briefly tell me a little bit about your journey into collegiate athletics and why. You know, I think mine, Canley, is pretty simple. Uh, I was a football player at NC State, fortunate enough to get to play for the Wolfpack. Uh, I met a beautiful young lady who was an outstanding soccer player when I was in school. And so Lindsay and I, we, we've uh, we've been fortunate to kind of be on this journey together. Um, went to grad school at Ohio University and then uh, worked in Atlanta around the Olympics um, in 96 for the uh, Peach Bowl, the Atlanta Sports Council, um, the Georgia Dome, which was a really – Really unique, cool experience. And then uh, in 1998, we had the, the fortune of being able to go back to NC State to work for Les Robinson when he became the athletic director. And uh, and uh, <clears throat> from 98 to 2005, was at NC State and uh, enjoyed every second of being back at our alma mater. Lindsay had a chance to, to go from working in the corporate world at Coca-Cola to uh, being a soccer coach. And uh, and so we uh, we did that. 05, I was named the athletic director at Appalachian State. and and stayed there until August of 2014 when I, when I came to Georgia State. So been at Georgia State almost eight years, and uh, just uh, every day is a, is a rewarding and unique new, unique opportunity. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about your journey prior to coming to Georgia State University. But talk about what does athletics look like at Georgia State University? You know, like like probably a lot of people tell you, man, we're really proud of, proud of our program, we're proud of our kids and our coaches. Um, we think there's a – it's a program that we, we mirror the greatness of our university, um, incredible diversity, um, an incredibly successful competitive athletic program. Um, our kids handle their work in, in the classroom and, and really proud of the academic uh, <clears throat> impact our kids have. And then frankly, you know, probably most importantly, we're around a, a great group of people. Um, we really got a really got a solid group of, of coaches and administrators and, and our kids uh, being an athlete at our campus really matters, and 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 that I'm especially proud of. Let's let's talk a little bit about the hiring recruiting process at Georgia State University Athletic in terms of, and if you can talk up a little bit about from a prospecting or the hiring of a head coach, regardless of the sport, and on the administrative side within your department. Yeah, you know I think uh, um, it's an overused phrase, but basically every time you're out to hire, especially a senior senior position, you're really looking for you know, this crazy word called fit. Um, does somebody fit our circumstances? Is it the right person? You know, in the right time for for what we're about. And uh, I kind of I kind of qualify that by saying, okay, from a coaching standpoint, I'm, you know, what style of play um, are you interested in? This? Are you a coach? Let's take in this instance, we'll take basketball. You're someone who wants to primarily focus on the defensive end or somebody's going to get up and down um, you, are you going to mix you know what, what what are you about and uh, and I think that's a real real important piece because at the end of the day based on on kids you have in your program and kids you think that your university can attract there's probably a, a style of play that fits best um, obviously recruiting is a, is the lifeblood of any coaching program so what's your what's your experience and 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 your staff the, the, the staff that you're trying to create um, what kind of experience, what kind of expertise 
uh, your plan from from a recruiting standpoint. Um, and then if you if you've been a head coach before, um, would you learn from that experience? Uh, does it meet our circumstances? If you haven't been a head coach before, then, then what do you expect? Uh, I think you you and I both know. I mean, you know, you have ideas and thoughts and plans, and you know, and then all of a sudden you sit in the chair and it's like it goes out the window. You know, it's <laughs> it's on the job training. And so, you know, what what have you done to prepare? You know, people always tell me, and I, I really believe it's that you know that eighteen inch shift. Um, if you will, on, on you say bench. eighteen, I say twelve. Okay, twelve. I got. <laughs> I, don't you. Even, I don't even give it that much distance. <laughs> I got you. Well, and you know, and so at the end of the day, it's 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 you know, what what have you done to to prepare you for that moment and and then the person on the other end's got to got to buy into your vision and and where you are and uh, and what you believe in and make sure. At the end of the day, I think it's it's probably equally important or most important. Um, I think a coach has got to make sure. Hey, man, I'm I, I feel like I can work with the athletic director and vice versa. Um, both as human beings and as you know, um, you know, people, guys are on the same page. I, I tell coaches all the time, you know, I don't want to be the reason why you can't be successful. And so, tell me what you need. Tell me how we go about it. We might have to move some things around. We don't have unlimited resources, but you know, my goal is if you're successful, obviously I'm I'm successful. The university's successful. Talk a little bit about the do's and don'ts. And you, you mentioned something to say the right fit. Henceforth, why the name of the show is the right fit. Because a lot of times, Charlie, what you see, and I, and I tell coaches this, you can look great on paper. You can be the perfect coach for that situation on paper, but you may not be the right fit. So sometimes it really doesn't boil down to a lot of X and O's or something like that as well. Um, sometimes it comes down to other factors. Talk a little bit about the do's and don'ts when interviewing. Yeah, you know, it, it's happened to you. It's happened to me, right? Um, you think there's a job you really, you really want, you really, you really think fits who you are, and, and you meet their circumstances, and then for whatever reason, you know, the, the hiring group goes in a different direction. And so it's, you know, you who are you, you are who you are. Um, I tell, I'm, I'm in the process right now of interviewing coaches for our volleyball position, and I told, I told the coaches we've interviewed. I said, look, my biggest challenge is that the person I'm talking to today. I want that to be the same person six months, you know, a year, six years from now um, when we're sitting together because uh, I'm enjoying this conversation. We philosophically we're on the same page. Um, I buy into what your what your what your vision is in terms of running a program. I don't want you to change. Don't get here and get caught up in I got to have this, I got to have that, or don't don't misrepresent represent who you are uh, when you're going through a process. But uh, you know, it's 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 a simple. I think it's a simple piece. Um, you know, we're all. In this business, we, we're to judge each other professionally, uh, not personally. And so um, it's a matter of, of, you know, answering the, the right questions. But also, I think a key skill, especially in the interview process, because everyone's so eager. And honestly, it, this has happened to me. It's, it's, not a, it's not an aptitude test. When you get face-to-face, -face, it's really more of a personality uh, profile. Um, don't be afraid to listen. And, and I know that, you know, you get anxious and I, I got all the answers and I'm going to wow one with my skill set. I'm going to wow one with my knowledge. Sometimes it's just best and, and you got to read the room of answer the question that's being asked, let the next question flow, but let it be a conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, I think the process has changed COVID. If there's a benefit, excuse me, one for COVID, um, the initial search, you know, used to be reading resumes, sitting around a room, a group of people, uh, big or small and, and going through Candace. Now I think you can, you know, you can schedule 12, 15 Zooms for a, for one job and spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes with someone and get a sense of who they are and then bring the, the top three, four, five candidates you want to talk to and bring them on campus. 
and and have that face to face. And I think that uh, you know, last I would tell you, I think a lot of people and and, and they don't really quite understand their grasp, but but uh, you know, there's an HR process that we all have to follow, and every campus is unique. Every every whether you're state institution or private, there's a process you have to follow. And uh, you know, the, the the beauty of some things is, and, and I've been a part of it where you just have to kind of laugh, but like there are questions we cannot ask during the interview process. So there are things that, you know, a candidate may or may not want others to know. Um, again, going back to the idea of judging them professionally, but, but, you know, volunteer as little or as much information about yourself as you want. Um, but certainly uh, understand the process that there are certain things that frankly, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're doing a valid search, you, you can't ask questions about. And, uh, and so you'd hate, you'd hate for that to, be part of the hiring process down the road, um, you know, as you get, as you get going in, in your process. So. Well, you, hopefully there's some transparency with the 100%. candidates part as well. Yeah. And, much, you know, much better way to say what I was saying. Absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's transparency, as you mentioned, and, and that's the ideal candidate you want. Somebody that's going to be transparent, whether there was something negative in the past that might be in the media, you know, you divulge that information. Um, so there's no surprises in case there is someone you want to hire, then you you know how to deal with the media if it comes down Absolutely. to that as well. There's trends going on right now in the industry, particularly in um, collegiate athletics. Do you see any of these trends potentially creating opportunities for people that's looking to get into um, collegiate athletics, whether it's as a coach, um, some of the things they may have to know, you know, IE, uh, NIL, et cetera, et cetera. And also on the administrative side, Charlie. Yeah, you know, if this isn't the greatest period of change within the NCAA structure, then then obviously the the only other time that could surpass it was when they started the NCAA, when they created it because of all the, the safety issues around the game of football, you know, at the time when, when President Roosevelt said, we need to put a national structure around this. Um, you mentioned the NLI, um, this Constitution Committee that's going to you know, give me talk about this spring. You know, starting really next week uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, what does this whole idea of pay for play look like? Um, employee relationship. Um, I, I learned something this weekend that I didn't know. That uh, you know, as far fetched as it may sound, um, you know, some thought about hey, we're we're going to start paying kids and. That completely changes you know, what the, the collegiate model really looks like. But one of the things that's always kind of stuck in my head over the years as this conversation has evolved is like, okay, how do you answer Title IX as a question? Well, you know, I was in a meeting earlier earlier or this weekend, and you know, the conversation came up. So, look, Title IX is an educational law; it's not a labor law. Right. If you have employees, then that's labor laws affect that. Right. I'm thinking, well. That may be the push as to how or why you you uh, you handle this question that we're going to end up paying football and basketball kids, you know whatever that number is, to come be a part of our university, and then everybody else is going to kind of fend for himself. Does that mean we're going to cut programs? You know, does that mean that we're going to cut resources? And uh, so, uh, certainly an, an incredible evolutionary period, um, and it's 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 ripe for change. Uh, unfortunately, I'm. I'm I'm more of a traditionalist in terms of I, I think there's there's great value in uh, I say old school, but then I realize I'm not old enough. But but <laughs> I'm a, in the sense that as a traditional view of this, I think there's great value in a kid coming to school to get an education, to compete at the highest level, um, to make themselves the very best student athlete they can be. Uh, I don't I don't buy the, the misbelief about student athlete. I think it's a an incredible incredibly uh, appropriate terminology for kids who want to embrace that. And, and I think we as administrators, leaders, 
coaches, it's got to be we, we got to push a little bit more back toward that that model versus, you know, whether it's the G League, whether it's the XFL, whether it's, you know, whatever the semi-pro model. Um, I kind of I kind of quit where we're headed to a little bit as, of, of using the baseball analogy, but, you know, the five-star guy, the, the, the guy that's super talented, you know, they're, they're the major leaguer. Um, for us mid-major programs, you know, you're looking at basically what double-A baseball looks like. Is it we're going to pay kids a – couple thousand dollars a month to go to your school and then you know after nine months they're kind of on their own for the next three months and then they come back at it those that can you know pass the test or pass whatever um is that really what we want college sports to be and and, and i'm i don't think it is but you know i may be in the minority when it's all said and done in that regard well i, I remember years ago in the national championship game sean napier the guard from university of yukon and i think this really started to talk when he mentioned that he goes to bed hungry you know, some nights and he couldn't get a meal and unfortunate. And that started to change a little bit the perspective about, of course, um, Charles O'Bannon back in the day, Ed O'Bannon, excuse me, back in the day, challenged the NCAA with the image, name, image of likeness. Actually, it was ruled in his favor, then it was overturned, um, you know, at their given time, you know, as well. And, um, and before we go to commercial break, talk a little bit about some of the things you got in place at your institution dealing with the NIL, because I think this is going to be an opportunity for a lot of people learning how to deal with that. And how have you educated your students about their brand? Because now in essence, Charlie, they're business. You <laughs> look at yourself as a business and they don't realize down the road about taxes yeah. and, you know, the financial. Talk a little bit about that, how you're educating your student athletes. Yeah, you know, there's probably answer in two ways. One is the evolutionary piece. It's I think sometimes we especially as you get older and you stay in this business for a while, you kind of get fascinated with things that happened when you were a student and then, and it happened in, you know, in my lifetime, there, there are moments or times when we used to sit around as players and we're like, man, like we saw what the basketball guys got because coach Valvano had an incredible deal with Nike. Um, we felt like, okay, we're creating all this revenue for the university and, you know, and, you know, we ought to be able to get a pair of shoes and we ought to get sweats and things that, that matter to, to teenagers. No, no thought or idea that we'd actually ever be compensated for it, but, the one that, that always boggled my mind even you know, years ago was was a kid. Now, I, I guess, you know, man, but Jeremy Bloom, when he played at Colorado, he was a world, world-class world skier. Um, and in that world, you're compensated through all your endorsements. Well, he couldn't right. play college football at Colorado and get his endorsements from from the ski world, two separate entities. And yet, you know, people forget sometimes or don't know that when John Elway played football at Stanford, he was actually a minor league baseball player for the Yankees. And so he had a signing bonus and – you know, they say the way we could write rules, we could differentiate between being a pro in one sport and an amateur in another, and yet we couldn't really differentiate between the fact of, okay, well, this guy's a pro, but he's compensated in a different model other than from the teams. And so I, I think, you know, in some respects, we, we in a lot of respects, we've done it to ourselves. In today's current environment, um, NLI really hadn't had much of an impact up until maybe the last week on our campus. Um, we've had some kids with some deals. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical. Um, there's some bad characters, bad actors, especially dealing with some of our female student athletes about whether it's a modeling career or clothing. Um, some of those um, issues that, that, that women probably more than men have to deal with. And so it's been a little bit of a, of a learning curve for us in terms of, of kids um, thinking it's a, a great opportunity and it's probably not even a safe opportunity. And so we've had to, had to kind of walk through some of that, but uh, um, the last week or so we we've, run into some recruiting situations where kids are kids and especially their families are being approached. Uh, even though it's against all the rules, we all know we can't police everything. Um, hey, I'm, 
X school is, is talking to me about wanting to transfer, and here's what they're offering me. Here's what it's here's what it's a part of. Uh, I had the fortune this past this past year to be on the college football playoff selection committee, and so I'm around ads at Power Five schools, and the stories they're talking about, and this is just in the infancy, and so this thing needs regulation. It needs um, some cap or some some control because it's, if not, it's just like uh, most everything else. Um, those who want to play by the rules are going to be, you know grossly impacted by those who don't. And, uh, and certainly everybody's for, for kids being able to, to maximize opportunities. Um, I do find it ironic that, that one of the phrases that we talk about a lot as administrators is about student athlete welfare. We're afraid to do certain things because of a negative student athlete welfare impact. And yet student athlete welfare has no bearing, no conversation, no thought in the NLI space. And so if a kid has to take an entire day to go film a commercial, somehow that doesn't, affect their welfare because they're getting paid for it. But yet if we ask them to, you know, work out for two more hours that week, then we've somehow impacted that, that, uh, that standing or that principle. And, you know, I, f- I find that kind of, kind of ironic or interesting. Kids are going to do what kids want to do. Um, and people are going to do what people want to do. And, and, you know, we should, we should adjust accordingly. Well, you know that these student athletes know that they have the power now more so than 100%. anything else. And a lot of the administrators know that they wouldn't be there without them. So, you know, even talking to coaches, you know, now, you know, compared to, you know, 10 years ago, they pretty much got to, you know, kind of tiptoe around the line a little bit. And we haven't even talked about the transfer portal and all that <laughs> stuff. But, but to your point, impact. yeah, but to your point, we see the same thing, you know, COVID and, and, and the vaccine. Forget the, the political nature of the argument about whether you should be vaccinated or not. But, in, you know, in our time, if, if we had to get a vaccine to play, there, there was no question. I mean, we, you're going to go get it. Your coach told you to do it. Now it's let's sit and have conversations. And, and, and the kids are getting the opportunity to make that choice. Well, you know, and, the uh, thing is, you know, there's so much information out there, Charlie, that they have access to. We didn't have social media. We didn't have Google. We didn't have all that kind of stuff that would infiltrate our minds and all that stuff. Even when we was going to school, of course, we got vaccinated because you had to get vaccinated to go. You had no choice, right? If you want to play, this is what you do. Well, but let's hold that thought, Charlie. We'll come back after this commercial break. You're watching The Right Fit and listening to The Right Fit with Daryl Jacobs. The Right Fit podcast is brought to you by Rising Coaches Search and Consulting. Tired of spending what seems like all of your time and budget filling coaching vacancies? Let Rising Coaches Search and Consulting handle your next coaching search. Our process is simple. We identify, vet, and recruit a talented and diverse group of professionals that fits your institution's profile, all for a low price that we guarantee will beat our competitions. Plus, all of your searches will be handled by former coaches, meaning we will get the best possible insight on all of your candidates, and you'll get the perspective that only a former coach could provide. For testimonials, a full client list, or more information, please visit risingcoaches.com. Welcome back to The Right Fit. I'm Daryl Jacobs, your host. I'm with my today's guest, Charlie Cobb, Director of Athletics, Georgia State University. And we're talking about collegiate athletics as well as to be in the right fit if you happen to uh, want to have an interest in Georgia State University and what he's looking for. Let's talk a little bit about navigation. And what I mean by navigation, how can someone navigate in this business? You talk about your segue into the business, but any people that's watching this or people aspiring, whether they're coming out of college or even transitioning, I get a lot of calls about people wanting to transition now from 
corporate jobs into collegiate athletics. Talk a little bit about how they can navigate. Yeah, it's funny you talk about it. you get a lot of those conversations. I get a lot of those uh, phone calls or emails as well. And so it kind of kind of makes you appreciate what you have. And, uh, you know, it's 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 certainly an industry that's not for everyone. It's not as simple. Um, I think as most people um, who have an interest, uh, I'm fortunate. I'm actually an identical twin and my brother's an attorney and he thinks he can do this job or coach or every other job that an attorney thinks they can do. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's not as simple as just turning a game on and, and winning and losing. There's a whole, there's a whole backstory to most, most games, most coaches, most situations. Uh, I, I kind of tell people, you know, if you think about getting in this and as, as a career, you really got to look at it from, from a, from a couple of different angles. I think coaching is obviously um, a, a simple, easy way to answer. And it's, it's, as a former player, someone who's, around the game, um, the volunteer notion of camps, the clinics, the hustle, the grind. You know, most everybody's not the elite level player that's got instant name recognition or you didn't get a chance to play for one of the Blue Blood programs. And so, you know, it's it's about about work ethic and being the right place, right time, but also, you know, paying your dues. Uh, I think from from the administrative standpoint, you know, really our world's headed in a way that, that probably a law degree is, is incredibly helpful, um, not necessarily – from a standpoint of being a, being a practicing attorney working in athletics, but just a basic understanding of labor laws, being basic understanding of organizational behavior or, or human human resource issues, things things of that nature. Um, think issues and concerns that that probably for our generation we've learned pretty much on the job, um, whereas now it's a little bit more of a professional outlook in terms of, of school. Um, the compliance angle is going to be incredibly challenging to navigate over the next several years. Um, and then and then selfishly, anybody can create revenue. Uh, we're all looking for, for more money, whether it's sponsorships, ticket sales, unique unique opportunities. If you can create revenue, you're going to have a place, you know, in an athletic administration. Um, if you want to be someone that walks in and say, hey, I want to supervise sports or I want to do this, you know, that's there, there are plenty of people who are already in place um, with that skill set. So it's, it's really – kind of my thought of, of answering the question for those that want to want to walk in. Uh, an area that's kind of interesting for me is, is, is this whole idea of technology, um, whether it's analytics um, and, you know, that's a whole probably a segment you can do of, you know, what, what are, what is really analytics and how does it really help winning and losing some of your data points. But uh, um, so many, so many programs, so many coaches rely on video and, and all the, the information that comes from video. One of our, one of our challenges, frankly, here has been able to keep in, keeping people because um, typically they're younger and they're hungry and they move on, but, but video analysts, anybody who can break down film and help coaches prepare for those that next day, whether it's practice or games. Um, so I'm kind of in my head going, okay, well, there's another, you know, immediate answer. If you, if you understand the technology, either from a data standpoint or from a video standpoint, you're going to have a, a pretty, pretty quick entry into this profession. Now the, the upside might not be as, as high as, as coaching, but if, you know, if you're, Young kids say, hey, man, I want to coach, but I can't catch a break. Well, if you can break down film, um, there's going to be an opportunity or two um, for you to, to to get started. And then once you get started, um, then you kind of make it from make it make a name for yourself. And one of the things you mentioned about, you know, fundraising from administrative side, um, you know, often tell people besides being a head coach, I actually wore many hats. And one of them was athletic development. Um, and one of the things, of course, being a, a coach, you know, you have to be um, engaging with alumni and quite naturally, you're the one that's doing the ask, you know, so anytime you can raise money, 
um, you're always going to have a job in collegiate athletics and technology is is ever changing now. And you mentioned analytics. Um, I was talking to someone the other day about analytics. When I be, got with ESPN as a broadcaster, I took a class in basketball analytics with Dean Oliver, who's the father of basketball analytics. Even though I knew the game of basketball what made it easier for me and I was always good at math, but knowing the analytics really propelled me into a higher position with ESPN and being able to break those games down as well. And you mentioned uh, breaking down film. A lot of NBA coaches, Eric Sposter, um, got in by breaking down film as well. So, you know, there's a there's a wealth of opportunity. And finally, you mentioned um, having a law degree. As you know, the trend now, compliance officers are people with law backgrounds. The NCAA hires everybody with law degrees just about when you're dealing with their compliance, you know, issues as well. Even more so now, Charlie, because having a law degree, having that background, dealing with the NIL, you mentioned about labor law. So that's one of the things um, um, I just want to point out and great advice. Um, as well, you know, it's funny you talk about like your pre- preparation for being an announcer and you know and all that. Um, being a part of the CFP committee, one of the things that, that there's a lot of data that we use to to basically kind of squeeze the limit, if you will, in terms of deciding if one thing's better than the other. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, the eye test is incredibly important, but when you don't have common results, there's a whole litany of of, of information that we have. And uh, but one of the things I, I was telling Bill Hancock. And I, um, we're going to try to walk through it. But when you watch a football game, what do they talk about? They talk about time of possessions and they talk about turnovers. Well, the analytics guys will tell you that in 12 years of looking at, at the championship, time of possession and the way the game of football is played now is irrelevant. Yet I'm a, I'm a guy that when I watch a game, I'm like, I wonder who's got the ball in hands because I'm in that mindset of if I have the ball, I win. Right. Well, nowadays with turnovers and, and so many more possessions and what, what time of possessions, except for Army. West Point's the only school that time of possession matters. Everybody else, it's more about the number of possessions. Well, you know what? Depending on if you watch certain NFL team, for example, I'm a Colts fan. Frank White is a definitely a possession coach. You know, we can't play uphill. If we get out in front, then it becomes that time of possession, you know, uh, yeah. is his motto in regards to controlling the game and controlling the tempo, you know, of, of the game as well. And um, you mentioned with the bowl series, I served on NCMS basketball um, committee. So I know about how to choose a team, the column yeah. comparison, and all the numbers and Adam analytics, and you got to pick this team against this team. We'll see who comes out better. You got the common opponent. You know, you, there's so much that goes into that. And I often tell people there's so much into that um, that people don't realize. And my hat's off to the selection committee, even when, when they decided on who the top four teams is, who's going to go to the college um, championship series as well. So I don't. I don't envy you for that. You got a tough yeah, job. Yeah, you no, got the was. most powerful position in the country that you're on that committee as well. And congratulations to you. Um, one of the things I like to do on the podcast, Charlie, is do word association. Okay. Um, I, it was years ago uh, when I was watching Saturday Night Live. Richard Pryor was up there with Chubby Chase, and it was the funniest thing I've seen in my life. Uh, you know as well. So I like to uh, do word association. So I'll say a word or phrase, and you say the first thing that comes to mind. It's going to be painless. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it as well. North Carolina State. Wolfpack. (laughs) Appalachian State. A lot of fun. Collegiate athletics. My lifestyle. Okay. And finally, Georgia State University. Unlimited potential. Charlie, thank you this afternoon for taking the time. I, I truly uh, appreciate you taking the time and 
again, I enjoy coming down to your wonderful facility this past summer with Rising Coaches. We had a conference there. Um, if those who are watching and listening haven't had a chance to visit Georgia State University, you mentioned the treat. Um, you also mentioned that you got a brand new arena coming. The renovations is coming. And I know you're excited about that as well. But thank you for taking the time this afternoon to join me. And thank you, viewers, for watching and those who are listening um, via um, Spotify or iTunes. Thank you for taking the time as well. Join me next Friday with a great guest, again, from the world of sports and both collegiate athletic and professional sports. Until then, please stay healthy, stay safe, and we will talk to you very, very soon.